you know, obviously I want I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go. I, I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team, and you know, just do my part and win a championship. Still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way I chose to do it, and we did it. That was a very passionate Giannis Antetokounmpo banging the table in a triumphant speech after leading the Bucks, the team that drafted him, to an NBA championship. Today, we're joined by Thunder beat writer Joe Masato, who gives his insight on what this small market championship can mean for the Oklahoma City Thunder moving forward. In an era of basketball where big-name stars team up at large markets in order to win championships, Giannis and the Bucks have forged their own path to greatness. A path that small market teams such as the Oklahoma City Thunder can only hope becomes more common. I'm James D. Jackson, and this is the Oklahoma Sports Insider. All right, we should be good. All right, sounds good. So, Joe, what the Milwaukee Bucks did uh, this week and what they accomplished, it seems so much like it seems so much similar to what the Thunder are trying to do with all their international players that they brought over. But uh, just for those who aren't aware of just Giannis's story, can you do a little bit of a background check on that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's definitely, I I think small markets everywhere are sort of rejoicing to see, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA title and to see them do it with the homegrown star um, that they drafted 15th overall. And um, Giannis was, you know, Several teams scouted him, obviously, but he wasn't this can't-miss prospect. He was the 15th pick in the draft. Um, His parents are from Nigeria. He grew up in Greece. Um, Obviously, has two other brothers in the NBA. I started playing basketball just to, you know, help my family, you know, um, try to get them out of the struggle. You know, the challenges we were facing when we were kids. Um, You know, had to to obviously work for everything. He was super skinny. He was like, it was like hard to project what he would become. And then he turned into this just giant of a man, you know, (laughs) ripped, can get to the rim, no one can stop him. And he's just this incredible force now in the NBA that would have been uh, almost impossible to envision when he came into the league, so. But I never thought ever when I'd be 26, you know, I'd be sitting in this chair with this right here and this right here. Man, it's been, it's been, uh, we've come a long way. It's just the, and, and then he sends the Supermax to stay in Milwaukee. I mean, it's like the ultimate story and, and really the only way for small market teams to compete is to, to get lucky, to identify someone like that, to believe in your guy, uh, and then to go for it. And you, you mentioned his stature, and that's something that we, we've talked about, and a lot of people around Oklahoma City are thinking about when they see Poku, <laughs> which is, the guy that that we're hoping can turn into something similar to Giannis, uh, maybe not as talented, but somewhere in that area, uh, just for his size. What do you think that Thunder are thinking about in that situation, especially when they drafted Poku? What was what was their upside that they were seeing from him? Yeah, not at all to compare Poku to Giannis, obviously, but there 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 are some similarities in that you know Giannis played in the second division in Greece, just like Poku did. Uh, Poku grew up in Serbia and, and moved to Greece to play professionally, but you know he's 
seven foot tall and you know under 200 pounds like he's got to put on a lot of weight he's got to put on a lot of muscle and you know when you looked at Giannis's frame back then I don't know if it was like automatic to project okay he's going to be able to like carry this much weight and still be this athletic like Poku is not probably ever going to be as strong as him. He's not going to ever be as athletic or this like bulldozer getting to the rim or a guy who can defend all five positions. They're very different players. I just want to make that clear. But they're just, it's all about projecting. I mean, Poku was the youngest player taken in the draft. Um, you, you know, they, they hope that they put some meat on his bones, that he gets a little bit bigger, that his skills develop. I mean, he's a seven-footer who can dribble and pass, and um, they want hopefully think he can shoot one day. So mm -hmm. different positions, different play styles. But, you know, certain teams are better at identifying international talent. Last year, the Thunder drafted Poku, Teo Maladon, and Viet Krejci, three picks, three international players. Um, and, you know, they, they could go a similar route this year because some of those guys are harder to identify, harder to project forward. And Sam Presti in the front office feels comfortable that maybe they can get a steal later in the draft, like Poku was the 17th pick last year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, the books really developed Giannis, you know, his, his body, but also his talent. How are the Thunder trying to replicate that situation for many of their international players? You know, not just Poku, but there's there's other guys on the team, as you mentioned, Teo and SGA can kind of fall in that category as well. What what do you think they're doing to try to uh, replicate what the Bucks did with Giannis? Yeah, I mean. They, they really do pride themselves on development. It's not just like saying that. They know that they're not going to be factors in free agency. I think anyone that's followed our team uh, or has a pretty good handle on the, the, the league in general realizes that player development and the draft are really the lifeblood of a team like us in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, superstars aren't going to demand to get traded to Oklahoma City, so you do have to develop guys. And um, Lou Dort's a perfect example as, as far as, you know, a guy that went undrafted, they develop him. Shea's gotten, you know, bigger and stronger and more skilled. And they're, they're hoping to do that with some of these other international picks that they've made like Viet Krejci is a good example he's he's a really you know relatively unknown player he was a second round pick of the Thunder last year he's from the Czech Republic he played professionally in Spain and um, he tore his ACL just before the draft and everyone thought he was going to be this draft and stash guy for you know two three years who knows if he ever comes over um, and you know what we couldn't project is that he spent his all, all of last season in Oklahoma City. He was actually sitting in the stands during games. Was not with the team. Was not on the roster. But he was rehabbing in Oklahoma City. So they're trying to get get these guys into the system as soon as possible. Um, and and like I said, they're they're not all going to come through. Like I've I've always said, there's there's a decent chance that like Poku never sticks in the NBA long term just because he's such a unique guy. And you know if the skills don't develop, he's not going be able to play or it could turn into a star we, we still don't know um, and we certainly don't know after his rookie year which was really rough statistically uh, you just can see how he could project forward and his upside but it, it's it's all about taking swings Sam Presti always talks about you know having as many bites at the apple as they can get and right now the Thunder's got more bites at the apple than anybody with the amount of picks that they have and obviously we'll you know we'll be a participant in the lottery and we haven't been there uh, in, in quite some time. Anytime you're you're in the lottery means, um, you know, 
really being able to accept the reality that um, you don't really control anything at all, <laughs> you know? And um, that's one of the things that we've learned over the years here uh, since you've been in Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, just going into this draft, uh, which will happen next week, just talking, just talking about what the Thunder have in terms of picks and who they have, you know, on the roster at the moment. What, how long do we think this rebuild uh, could take uh, just for the fans that are, you know, patiently waiting and those that are also anxious <laughs> for the next championship run? What, what are you assuming is the next window for the Thunder? Well, James, I'm sorry I don't have a good answer for this. <laughs> but I, I really don't think you can put a length on the rebuild. I, I would say a good estimate is three to five years. And I know some people are going to scoff at that a little <laughs> bit. But, you know, even if they hit on, you know, two or three draft picks this year, rookies rarely make that big of an impact that translates into wins. So they're at least going to be two. I mean, two years would be the most aggressive estimate possible, especially after missing out on, you know, a top five pick in this draft. Obviously, they could trade up, but lottery night was undoubtedly a disappointment for the Thunder. Um, but they don't have like a certain timeline in mind. We want to be honest with our fans. And we have been for a very long time about the path ahead um, with no apologies, no excuses. Uh, we have our own you know, history. We're our own best example of what can take place in Oklahoma City. Um, but we also need to be realistic about the fact that it's probably not going to happen overnight. It's not like, OK, we want to be contending in the West three years from now. They're sort of letting their players dictate how soon they have to make moves. Like if Shea continues to progress, if Poku, Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, if all these guys say, you know, okay, they're, they're, they're showing signs of being a legitimate team and some of those draft pick hits, that's when they'll start making moves around the edges of the roster to really go for something. Um, but right now they have, you know, one clear guy that's going to be part of the long-term core. And that's Shea Gilders Alexander. We have a, a, a big conversation that we'll be able to have with Shea coming up in the offseason as well. We're really looking forward to that. As I said earlier, um, his impact on the team was pretty obvious. And um, you know, we think he's a, a very, very bright rising player in the NBA. And we couldn't be more excited about the growth he took both as a player, but also as a leader during the year. I would say Lou Dort is probably second in line, um, but not really like a big three in the classic sense that we think about it. And then they have all these unproven guys in Baisley, Pokashevsky, Maladon. I, I mean, there, some guys we're listing aren't even going to be part of the Thunder when they're good again. So um, it really is difficult to to think for it or to put a date on the rebuild other than to say, like, how well they draft will determine the length of the rebuild. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be on. We'll be right back. Um. As they say, shortcuts cut long runs short, and we're going to do everything in our power not to allow that to happen. And uh, when we do get back to the postseason, um, we want it to be an arrival and not an appearance. The Oklahoman Super 30 series began earlier this month with Jones star quarterback Carson May committing to Iowa. If you're interested in reading about May or any of the other 29 recruits, Consider subscribing to The Oklahoman. You may find something that you like. I'm James D. Jackson, and this has been The Oklahoman Sports Insider.
We'll talk soon.